So we are continuing our message series this morning that we started uh, several weeks ago titled Companion for the Journey. And we are studying our way through the book of 1 Timothy, and 1 Timothy is a New Testament letter. It was written uh, by Paul to one of his true sons in the faith, exactly what he says uh, in the intro verses uh, to Timothy. And like many of the New Testament letters, it was, again, originally written as a letter, and it was sent from, from, from Paul to, to a person. Like I said, this is one of the letters that was written specifically to a very specific person, uh, a lot of the New Testament letters were written to churches or to um, different larger people groups. Um, but in, in the midst of this, as we're going through, we, we are learning this, this advice that Paul gives um, his, his son in the faith, right? His, as Paul is his mentor, and, and he is, is now acknowledging and, and, and releasing Timothy to lead. And we've seen, again, this is a is a continuation of the last series titled when we looked at our core, four core values and at the vision and mission of our church and, and looking at why we do what we do and, and, and realizing that at the end of this faith journey, as we go back and we look at the five steps or phases of growth within our faith journey, uh, we see we start with attending and then we move to, um, to growing and, and growing into deeper teachings and, and deeper relationships and then we, we go to serving and then to leading whatever God's calling us to lead, and then to the, the last fifth phase of our spiritual growth is, is to mentor someone. And we see that literally that is the goal then of every believer is to become a disciple that helps make other disciples. See, that is, the, again, the goal of the Great Commission. It's, it's uh, as, as we see, the, again, the job description of the church that Jesus gave to the apostles right before he ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection. And so we see that, again, being the overall goal of, of a Jesus follower is to be a disciple of Jesus that helps make other disciples. And we see this, again, this letter, why we're, we're studying this letter more in-depthly is to see because Paul, again, gives some very specific advice to, to, uh, to his protege, right, to his student, Timothy. And we see this again, we're going to start once again here at these first two verses of 1 Timothy, the intro to the letter, where it says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and, and, and Christ, God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. And I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Again, we, we saw here at the very beginning of the intro of this series that, that we learn from these, these intro verses that every believer should have spiritual children. Right? There is somebody in our life, in our path, that is not as far along in their faith as you are. And in fact, that, that might be somebody who doesn't even know Jesus at all, right? Who, who doesn't have a relationship with God, who's never received him as their savior and invited them into their life ask for the forgiveness of their sins. And, and again, there, there are lots of those people in our world and in our culture and in our community. Right? And so there is somebody that is behind you on the faith journey. Right? But there are also people in front of you right? that we should have these, not just spiritual children that we are investing into, but we're also we have spiritual parents that we look to to be mentored and to be grown and to, to, to learn from and to be encouraged by. And we see that in this relationship, we also learn that the power of this relationship comes from God, not from any of us. 
right? That we, we see, again, the presence of God and how the focus is on Jesus and on Christ and, and being more like him. And, and that's where the power and the blessing of these relationships comes from. It's nothing that we need to make up or fabricate on our own, but just we just pursue our faith and help others do the same. And, and God blesses that relationship. That's where the real power comes from. And we also learn from this and, and see that, that both people will consume from this relationship, right? That, that even these leads, even spiritual companions, the people that are further along in their faith journey will learn from those that are even just starting out. And, and again, uh, we have many in our church that are spiritual leaders in different ways, and, and they will all tell you that they learn as much as they teach when they serve. Right, so we see these foundational truths, and, and again, then we moved on into the letter in week one as we saw the rest of chapter one, where we saw some practical advice on how to be a spiritual parent and how we oftentimes mess it up. And then we all saw then in week two, in chapter two of, of this letter, that as Paul continued with practical advice on how to make God smile as a disciple. And then last week, as we looked at, at chapter three, Paul addressed church structure and Christian maturity and, and how do we, again, function within the body of Christ and, and how should church leadership look. And then we move on this morning to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we, we turn a corner a little bit in the letter and Paul moves on to a new phase. And again, he's giving this general advice on church structure and, and leaders and kind of all of these things through these last couple chapters. And now we turn to chapter 4, is where it gets very personal. This is where Paul talks straight to Timothy. And here he gives him some, some very personal advice about some situations and, and some, some general concepts. And, and so we're going to um, jump into this personal advice this morning as we continue to study through chapter, chapter 1 Timothy. We're going to be again this morning in chapter 4. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have your own Bible, don't have it with you today, uh, you can grab a Bible out of the seats that's provided for you. You'll notice the page number of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. And again, if you're, watch, if you're watching online, you can hopefully grab a Bible next to you and open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start with the first five verses, where it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons, and these people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. And since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the words of God and prayer. So we're going to pause there as we um, see this kind of this transition section here from out of this general church concepts into some very personal advice for Timothy. And in these, these first five verses, um, he transitions again out of, and, and, and he addresses kind of the bigger culture as well as Timothy's own life. And when he, he tells him that, that we must be careful what we put our faith in. And he says, Timothy, as you, as you set up this church and as you continue to work and grow as a leader and, and continue to grow in your own faith, just, just make sure that you're putting your faith in the right things. Because as the end times get closer, there will be more false teachers. 
There will be more things in our world and in our culture and, and people that will come out with, with things that sound really good but, but might not be true. It says, be very careful what you put your faith in. Again, as we look at this advice, we know that here in 2020 that, that we are closer to the end times than we've ever been before. That seems to be right in the forefront of our minds and hearts, isn't it? And we realize that, that, again, there are so many voices in our world. Right? There are so many ideologies and so many you know, ideas and, and concepts and organizations and, and ideas and, and things that we can, we can get behind and, and stand for. Right? There's not a shortage of things to make a stand for, is there? But yet we need to be careful, again, what we put our faith in. Is our faith grounded? Because there are people in this world, there are voices, even prominent ones potentially, that are not telling us the truth. In fact, I mean, Paul, I mean, he calls it out very clearly in verse 2, right? He says, these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. I wonder what Paul really thinks about them. And I wish he was more clear. What does he really mean, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, right, that there are those that we cannot trust. And again, it's just interesting when you look at this verse. Now, and I know what you're thinking when you read this verse. And, you know, you're thinking, man, where can I get that verse on the plaque to put up in my house? Maybe not. Probably not, right? Um, but I don't know, maybe you do. I, that, I guess that's up to you. What you hang up in your house is up to you. But but, but interesting thing, the thing that really stands out to me in this verse, though, right? I mean, again, he obviously calls them out as hypocrites and liars. Right? But th- this last phrase, their consciences are dead. And that just kind of stands out to me in thinking about that, you know what, they, what they do, they don't even think is wrong. Right? Their, their consciences are, are dead. Again, NLT used that word dead. The other translations translate as their consciences are seared. Right? Meaning that they've been changed. Right? They, it just doesn't function anymore. Again, sometimes we sit back and look at our world and be like, man, how, don't they feel bad about that? About treating somebody that way or about you know, whatever? And, and the reality is they don't feel bad about it. Because the further we get from God and the further we get from God's design, the, the more that our consciences, right, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life, the, the more we learn to ignore it or to shut it off. Right? And, and we get accustomed, right, to not listening to that voice. And he says, Timothy, be very careful what you put your faith in. And, and knowing that, but then he gives us in verse 5, I mean, he, he tells us how to evaluate that, right? He says, so how do you know if, if, you're, if you're listening or following something that's real versus something that, that is not correct? Right? How do you know? And, and he tells us in two ways to confirm the truth in verse 5, right? The first way is the word of God. Again, he says, Timothy, go back to, to, to the, what the Word says. Go back to, to the Scriptures that you've been taught. Go back to the foundation that you know, right? The, the gospel message and, and the words of God that are, are given to you in Scripture. The Word of God, again, 
is a firm foundation. And it is a roadmap for you to follow. And you know it's true. You can trust it. And again, when we look at our world and our society, no matter what anybody says, the, the first thing is you need to go back to the Word of God. And it say, is it true according to God's Word? And again, that's true even from what I say, right? Or any preacher that you listen to, or whatever, right? If, if I say something or teach something that is not accurate with Scripture, I hope that you would check up on me and, and send me an email, and say, hey, pastor, I'm not, I think you kind of missed it on that one. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be a verse two person. And the truth is that anybody who's scared of accountability to God's word, you should really pray for, right? Which is the second way that we confirm the truth to follow. He says to pray. Again, we think about prayer and that discipline of prayer, right, is, is that it's not just us telling God what we want, right, but it's, it's communing with God. It's, it's open communication with God. And, and again, will God confirm through prayer, right, that I'm following the right thing? Again, by the word of God and, and by prayer that we, as Paul tells Timothy, he's like, confirm what you believing in and what you're following with through these two tests. Okay, and, and, and if if that ideology or that, that method of thought or that teaching, if 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 it passes these, then then put your faith in it. And if it doesn't, don't. Okay, go back to the foundation of your faith and, and of the what God says. And so then, then he moves on there into these next verses, in verses 6 through 16, okay, where he gets even more personal. Okay, so we're going to pick up here at 1 Timothy 4, starting at verse 6. He says, so if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers." Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Again, this is a great motivational speech in the locker room before you hit the field, isn't it? Again, Paul is just looking at Timothy, and you can, I mean, you can sense in the words, you can sense the, the deep relationship between these two men. 
right, that Paul is speaking to some very specific areas of Timothy's life that, that, he's, like, that he's just encouraging. It's like, Timothy, keep going. Right? Don't let that rattle you. Right? Stay focused. Okay? You, you are, are, are able to fulfill what God has called you to do in this position. Timothy, don't waver. Keep going. But, and, and in this, within this, this very personal advice, we, we, we see you know, this, this overall um, you know, point of Paul in this. is just, again, Timothy, stay focused. Don't get distracted. Don't waver. He, he starts off in these, these first few verses with some, some earlier advice that he's already talked about in, in the letter. I mean, he, he, he addresses a couple things. One is he tells him to, to, to teach what you know is true, what you've been taught your whole life. Right? Don't, don't waver from that. Again, this is what he, uh, he told Timothy at the very beginning in chapter 1, in verses 18 and 19. He told him, Timothy, don't forget right, the, the, the teaching and the anointing that you got. Okay, he also tells him to not waste time on anything else. He says, again, stay focused, right? It, again, something he already addressed again in chapter 1 in verses 4 and 6. Is it was a more general thing of don't waste your time on meaningless conversation. Right? He reminds him of these two teachings, but then he also goes into some very specific new ones. And, and we, again, can glean some very important and helpful advice in our own faith journeys as well as, as we get it out of Timothy's. Hey, the, the first concept, again, that we can take out of this is that godliness training needs to be at the top of our priority list. Godliness training. Again, that's, that's I mean, exactly what it sounds like, right? It's training to be godly. Right? To, to live a life of holiness, to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, right? That I'm moving forward in my, my faith and in my growth and in my training that happens every day. Hey, we see, again, in, in verse 8, he, he tells him, he says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Again, we, again Paul uses this, this analogy of physical training, right? Of working out, of, uh, of being focused physically on, on how you eat and, and your physical activity and all these things, right? That goes into physical training. Now, now, we all know the typical physical training cycle that we go through, don't we? I tell you that I've been through this cycle myself many times, right? Is we, we get um, excited, right, and, and motivated. We're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat better. I'm going to work out. I'm, I'm going to, you know, be, be more fit. I'm, I'm going to, you know, do this. And some, most often, right, is, is this happens at New Year's, right? We, we kind of make this, this commitment and and now, you know, and then we, we sign up for the gym membership, right? We, we call the nutritionist, right, or whatever. We, we buy the thing off of the Facebook ad that promises that I can, you know, whatever, right? We, we, we do something, right, to say I'm going to change my physical, you know, um, status, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more active, I'm going to do this, and, and we know, and then we're really motivated for the first couple weeks until we get really sore, right, and we get really hungry, and, and, and then we just kind of fades, and then, and then we end up donating to the gym every month for the next, like, several months until we can finally cancel our membership, right? And I myself have been through this cycle a few times. 
In fact, several years ago, I just I, I told Maureen, I'm like, okay, don't let me sign up for a gym membership ever again, because I, like, I just end up donating my money, right? And so I, I, we need to break that cycle, right? And so, again, we know that cycle now, but think about that cycle. We know that, right? We, we know that's, that's very real for most of us, isn't it? Right? In fact, those that don't go through the cycle, like, they, they, they usually take off January and February from the gym because they just wait for all the rest of us to give up, right, before they go back, and so it's not so crowded. Right? Now, we, we know that cycle, And here, Paul uses that example to say, don't let that same cycle happen in your faith. Don't get all excited about a sermon or a certain week or or, or a holiday or whatever it would be, and we get excited or or we have this big experience. God shows up and we're excited about it, and we're like, I'm I'm gonna pray two hours every day, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Bible five times in the next year, right? And we, we get these huge lofty goals and we set ourselves up for failure. And then it just fades off, and we just go back to our old habits. But again, he's, telling, he's like, hey, godliness training. Right? Again, Paul's telling Timothy, he's like, there's nothing that's more important right, than, than you staying on the course of your faith. Keep growing. Keep taking steps. Right? Don't, don't waver. Don't, don't fizzle. Especially when it gets tough. Especially when somebody argues with you or, or you get a hard struggle in the church or whatever it is. Right? Don't, just don't give up, Timothy. Keep going. Because right? the reality is that if, if physical training becomes a part of your regular lifestyle, right, the soreness goes away and you feel better and all, all that, right? And if you get over that, that hurdle. Right? And the same is true within your faith. You set up those proper habits in your faith, then you will keep going. Godliness training needs to be at the top of our priority list. And the reality is, especially within our American church culture, right, is that we are good at being highly committed at lots of things other than our faith. I'll say that one more time. We're really good at being highly committed to lots of things other than our faith. Right? And, and Paul is telling Timothy and telling us, he's like, but make sure your faith is at the top of that list. Because it is the most important thing. Not only does it give benefits right now, but it has eternal benefits. Right? So we see the first thing, right, is, is to keep godliness training at the top of our priority list. And then that the next thing that he acknowledges to Timothy that we need to take in as well is to not let other people define you as a leader. Don't let other people define you as a leader or to tell you what you can or cannot do. Again, we, and again, we turn to, to, we hear those voices, we hear those, those definitions from people that say, oh, you know, you, you can't ever do that. that. That's too lofty of a goal. That's, you know, that, that's, that's not going to happen. Right, but don't let other people define you as a leader. Yeah, because the truth is, the truth of the gospel is it is God's job to define us. Not the world, not other people. Right, Their opinion doesn't change who you are. God's opinion does. And God loves you. Right, and God created you for certain 
things to accomplish and through your spiritual gifts and your personality. And, and again, God defines who we are. Because if we are following Christ and, and we are, we've received him as our Savior, right? We've, we believe that Jesus is real. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again on the third day. He conquered sin and death and made a way for me. If we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and we accept him into our life, and we become a Jesus follower, then, then he defines our identity. And he defines who I am. I am a child of the one true king. Right? And that's my identity, and that's where I'm going to live at. And again, God chooses that, not other people. Again, and, and Paul's telling Timothy, he's like, hey, other people might look down on you, but ignore it and keep going. Hey, this is one of the most famous verses out of this entire chapter, or out of this whole book, really, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. But be an example to all the believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. And again, Paul talks to Timothy because he knows what's in the back of his head. Right? And he knows that Timothy struggles with some confidence issues sometimes. And, he's, and he knows that Timothy is young. Right? And that he's leading people that are a lot older than him. Right? But Paul's also telling him, he's like, don't let those people define you, Timothy. Don't let them look down on you because you're young. Right? They, they don't define you. God defines you. Again, for Timothy, it was his age, right, that, that brought that, that question of like, I don't know, can I really do this, right? And he's like, I don't, maybe I'm not old enough to do this. And Paul's like, you absolutely are. Right? Don't, don't let that pull you down. Again, for him, it was his age. For you, it might be something, something else. Right? But what's in the back of your head? Right? That voice that just says, no, nope, you can't accomplish that because you are too young, too old. Right? You don't know enough. Right? Whatever. You fill in the blank. Whatever's in your head. Right? And go back to God's word and go back to prayer and say, is that really true? Am I going to let that define me or am I gonna, just going to keep going? Right? Again, for Timothy, his age, for you, it might be something else. You know, I'll tell you, just for me, uh, the, because I, as a pastor and as a leader, I, I mean, I've come a, a, up against this at different times in my life and in my career as a pastor. Are, are you old enough to lead a church? Right, some of it is because I look younger than I actually am. Right, but even in that, but I, I've experienced that as a leader. Right, especially moving out of the youth ministry world into the, to the lead pastor world and senior pastor world. And I, went, I moved from being the oldest one in the room with a bunch of youth workers to the youngest one in the room with a bunch of senior pastors. Right? And, I, and I felt that. Are you old enough to be here? What church do you lead? Right? And, and with that said, I will, I will say, though, is as soon as I was here, as came to Oregon Trail, I never felt the people of Oregon Trail look down on me because of my age. I never did. In fact, the, as I saw, and I, when I started here, and for those of you that are still here, that were here then, realized that the majority of the congregation was at least twice my age when I came here. Right, but they let me lead. And I'm very thankful for that. Right, they didn't look down on me because I was young. Right, but they believed in me. Right, and, and with that said is, again, what is it about your life, right, that this holds you back? That's in the back of your head that says, oh, maybe I can't do it. Or what are other people saying? Don't let them define you. Let God define you. 
right? Let God define you. This literally, I, I love to sum up this verse, 1 Timothy 4.12. Yeah, I love to sum it up of, uh, of basically Paul's telling him, he's like, ignore the trash talk and prove it on the field. Right? Ignore the trash talk and just prove it on the field, Timothy. Because you have what it takes. So do it. Right? And just, you just let the trash talkers talk. And you just go out and you play the game. Right? And you do it and you be an example right, in who you are. And in your faith. And you just you show them what it means to follow God and to lead well. Let the trash talkers talk. You just ignore and just prove it on the field. And when we think about this idea, again, people hold us back so much, don't they? Because people like to talk. And people say all kinds of things. But don't let them define you. Don't let a person be the one that, that, that derails your faith journey. Because you're not there to make them smile, you're there to make God smile. Right? They, they, they don't define you, God does. I think about, I, I saw this, this picture kind of went around social media for a while, and, and I thought it was very fitting. It says, for here, it says, don't let anyone be the cause why you leave church, because they're not the reason why you go to church in the first place. Right? You come to church because to experience God in his presence and his power and to grow and to learn about God, right? Don't let a person be the reason you give up. So you see, which leads into this next point that we see that, again, Paul charges Timothy with, and that that is to fulfill the calling that God has given you to do. Fulfill the calling that God has given you to do. Right? Not what somebody else thinks you should do. Not what other people think, not even, maybe even myself, what I think I should do, but what should, what is God telling me to do? And fulfill that. Again, he's telling Timothy, he's like, Timothy, you are where you are because God puts you there. So lead. Do what God puts you there to do. And again, you are wherever you are because God puts you there. In your family, in your job, in your community, where, wherever you are, right? The interests you have, right? The hobbies you have, whatever. God, you are there because God puts you there. So shine his light wherever you are. And fulfill what God is telling you to do. Because remember, God defines who we are. Right? And God has given every believer a job to fulfill. He's given every believer spiritual gifts. He's given all of us the personality that we have, right, to fulfill what we need to fulfill for God's kingdom. So fulfill that calling that God has given you to do. We see in verses 14 and 15, he says, Don't, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church lay their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Again, he's telling Timothy, he's like, don't hold anything back, Timothy. Right? You're right where you are because God put you there and God has equipped you to do that job. So do it. And do it all the way. Don't hold back. Right? This is not a game. 
to give 90%. Right? This is the championship. Right? This is where you lay it, you lay it all on the line and you leave it on the field. Throw yourself into your task. Give your complete attention. Saying there's no halfway here, Timothy. Go all in. Right? And and do it. And and notice he said again, what everyone will see your progress. Right? Because if you fulfill what God has called you to do, then that means that God is going to bless it. Right? And that you will have progress. And then the last thing that, that he throws in, again, is the fact that we can't neglect our own faith journey while helping others. Like, Timothy, don't forget about yourself. Right? As you throw yourself into leading this church and, and do all of this, he's like, you know, don't neglect your own faith. And when we've, we've talked about, again, the, the umbrella over our vision and strategy and mission as a church is that we start out consuming and we move towards contributing. Right? And, and when we start the cycle, though, but again, he's telling him it's so important, Timothy, that you don't just, when you move to contribute, that you still have to keep consuming. You still have to keep growing. You still have to keep learning. You can't just pour yourself out all the time. You also have to be filled back up. And we see this importance of this ongoing cycle that we need of consuming and contributing. Because if that doesn't continue in our lives, then you will burn out. You will get empty. And if you stay empty, you will get discouraged and upset and cynical. And wonder, can anybody else do anything? And, And you'll burn out. And unfortunately, when we look at not just the Christian church culture in America, right, but especially within the church, but it's true in jobs, it's true everywhere else, right, is that burnout is, is extremely high and likely and for most people. Right? Don't, don't set yourself up for that. Right? Because burnout is a very real at all levels of leadership. Right, if you don't get poured into, right, you will just get put, I mean, go all in and, and end up empty. But I'll tell you, just in the pastor world, and I've, I've known many pastors that are, are burnt out now, you know, after the last several months that weren't before. Right, with just pandemic and, you know, riots and just everything going on in our world. Right? And, and again, they've just, they poured out, and I'll, I'll just tell you, one of the things that most pastors get, right, is preaching to a live audience just kind of feeds you. And, and when you preach to a camera for months on end, it, it, just, it just drains you. And again, find those things that fill you back up. Okay? Because it's not just pastors. I mean, in, and like I said, in all levels of leadership, right, and, and service, like you can burn out if you don't continue to consume. And, and he tells Timothy, Timothy, set this up, right? He, he tells him in the very last verse, right, in verse 16, he says, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Right? We cannot deny ourselves in growing our own faith. Right? We have to grow ourselves because you, again, 
you cannot lead somewhere you haven't been yourself. Uh, we, we saw that last week, right? When we talked about levels of levels of leadership. And again, I, you have to keep growing. You have to keep moving in your faith to help those that are behind you. So don't, don't neglect your own faith. Right? While you help others, continue the cycle. So you that my final thought here this morning, and that is this. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you are defined by God and have a role to fulfill within the body of Christ. So what might be holding you back from fully embracing your journey? Right, what might be holding you back? Is it what somebody else, somebody else is defining you? Are you putting your faith in the wrong thing? Or maybe you're just tired and burnt out. I don't know what's holding you back in your faith, but, but whatever it is, I hope that you can embrace the journey. Go all in. Right, maybe that starts with, with receiving Christ as your Savior for the first time. Maybe that starts with, with admitting that you're burnt out, right? And, and, and getting a, a replenished dose of God's spirit, of rededicating your life. Maybe it's just saying, hey, my faith has gone through the same cycle as my gym membership and I need to start over. I don't know where you are today, but I hope that you'll embrace whatever God needs you to do next for the next phase of your journey. Don't worry. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning. God, that you would take our mind, take our heart and form it. Lord, that you would form it into, Lord, what you need us to be. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, we would be defined by you, not by our world, not by other people. And God, that we would live fully into whatever you're calling us to. And God, first and foremost, you call us to a personal relationship with you. And God, I pray for any any of those that are here with us in person or watching online, God, that don't know you as their personal Savior. I pray, God, that you would continue to prompt their heart. God, help them to open themselves up to to you and to your love and your forgiveness. God, to to confess their sin and to accept you as their Savior. And God, I pray for those that already know you as their Savior, God, that they would embrace their faith 100%. God, help us as we go this week to not be distracted by anything else. God, but to have our faith firmly in you and only in you. To be defined by you. God, and to fulfill 100% all in what you've given us to accomplish as your follower. And God, we pray for all those in this world that don't know you, that are searching. God, may we show them who you are by our love, by our help, God, by our encouragement through your spirit and your power. Lord, guide us as we go this week that we can be your church. We love you. We praise you. Guide us as we leave. In Jesus' name.